Oh, good morning. Welcome once again. Looks like we're on our 38th episode for this year. That's uh, years more more gone now than it is is coming. Glad to finally see some little bit of slightly cooler weather uh, moving into our, our fall season. So something for us to look forward to and holidays are rapidly approaching. We're uh, going to do a little bit of teaching today, a little bit, a little bit different. We're going to get to the Word a little bit, and I want to point out some things to us. And uh, it uh, hit me the other day, and um, and something that we we were facing. You know, we've been talking about faith quite a bit, and how sometimes little small things can uh, affect our faith, and we need to be aware of these things and start making these little small changes in our life. So that we can have the kind of faith that, that we need. Now I want you to remember that we, uh, everything God does has purpose. And let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 2. Ye shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall she diminish aught from it, that they may keep our commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. Now, uh, it's been asked before, you know, what is the best version of the Bible to use? And of course, the Hebrew version would be the absolute best because that would be in its original Original state, that's how it was recorded. Some of it would have been in Greek. But we know that for the majority of us, we tend to struggle with other languages. Many of us struggle with the English language. And that the word has been translated into English. So we can all enjoy it. And uh, from that, you know, there's sometimes things are... are a little different because we have a, a, a barrier from one language to the next. Um, but it's always been my conclusion that the King James is one of the closest versions to the uh, original manuscripts. I've did some comparisons on my own, yes, not taking anybody's word for it, and actually looked at it and struggled through it a little bit and seen that, that most of it seems to be very close to where it originally came from. The only problem with that is, is that still, the King James sometimes can be a difficult to read because the way they spoke, the way they wrote, just the the type of language that they use. So of course, they uh, they've always came out with ways to change that around and to make different versions. You know, we have like the, the New International, which changes the language to make it more fluent to read. It's more modern day language that we use each and every day, and it makes it for an easier read. And then we have like the Amplified that adds additional text to it to kind of emphasize on the points of the verses. God tells us that we shouldn't add or take away, that we should take it as is. And there's always purpose in that. And um, 
So me and my wife were talking the other day, and we was talking about one of her, her favorite verses. And she quoted it in both King James Version and in another version. And she asked me which one did I, I like better. If we was going to present it, which one do you like better? And oftentimes these more popular verses, they come in the form of what sounds the best on our ears. We see that's what we see presented and posted. And so at that moment, God laid it on my heart that there's a problem with that, that when we make these subtle changes, and then of course that turned into a teaching moment because who doesn't like a good teaching moment? So I decided to, to bring it forth today. So let's just look at, at one of these. Let's look at dun, 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 Isaiah 40 and 31. Now from the King James, it says, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So if we look at another version, Isaiah 40 and 31, and this is the New International Version. And it says, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strengths. It will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. So the key difference is, we're going to go back to the King James, those that wait upon the Lord versus those that hope in the Lord. All right, so let's just store that for a second. And let's turn over and look at Jeremiah 29, 11. And this one here is one that we hear many, many times. It's very popular. It's popular with a very well-known TV televangelist. So let's look at it in the King James. For I know thy thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil, to give you an expected end. And if we go to the New International Version, and this is the one we've all heard many times, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And I have to admit that uh, I've, even, I've even used this one version myself because it's so well known that many times if you quote it in the original King James, people's not going to recognize it for what it is, but they know about the hope and the future. So we see a couple of things here. They, for I know the thoughts versus I know the plans. Plans to give you an expected end versus plans for a, a hope and a future. All right, so we know that God does everything with purpose. And you might be thinking, okay, well, really, what is the difference? What is the difference? They're basically saying the same thing, right? 
It's the same verse, just a little bit different words. Now let's go back to this word hope. Now, we really get attached to this word hope. There's preachers that call themselves the preachers of hope. They're preaching a message of hope. But I want you to think for a minute, what is the definition of hope? When we hope for something, what do we do? We are wishing, we are wanting something to turn out a certain way. Okay, so what's the problem with that? The problem is a faith problem. Because when we talk about faith, we have to know beyond knowing, beyond knowing, beyond knowing, beyond knowing that it's going to happen. God tells us this is the way it is. So we can't leave doubt mixed in with it. So let me give you an example. You go and buy a lottery ticket. Why do you buy the lottery ticket? You buy the lottery ticket because you have a hope of winning. You wish to win. You want to win. Because if that happens, then all these other things can take place. That is your hope. That is your dream. That is what you want for the future. You hope. But as we hope, that's what we want to happen. But also, we also know that it may not happen. We want it to happen, but it may not happen. And if it doesn't happen, life goes on, we'll try again next week. But that's hope. And we take that outlook with God. You know, we might pray to get better. But are we believing that we're going to get better, that we're going to be healed? Are we hoping that we're going to be healed? Because we have that mentality because of the way we talk, the way we say. We say, well, God, if it be your will, God, if you want to, God, if you're listening... We make it seem like that God is just randomly picking and choosing what prayers to answer and what prayers to let go. And week after week after week, we've been talking about all these different reasons why God might choose to let you go through something, allow something to happen. Because it's making us grow. It's making us pull Towards him. Many times in life when something happens, we tend to cling to other people. And a lot of times the reason that is is because we don't have that connection and that comfort that we have in our Lord and Savior. Because he is our peace. He is our comfort. He is our Heavenly Father. 
And we're missing that connection, so we try to find that in others. That's many times why relationships don't work out. Because they're trying to receive something from another person that only God can give you. You can't have that Jesus-shaped absence. You can't have that connection with God gone and try to stuff a person in that hole because it won't fit. Only God can fill that void. Only Jesus can fill that void. You have to have that. And if we're trying to fill that in with another person, it is never going to work. And all we're going to end up doing is driving them away. We're responsible for our own relationship with God. And to ever have happiness and to have peace and to have all these things that we crave and have these feelings quelled and to push down the worry, the doubt, and the fear, we have to have God. We have to have it. Those that wait upon the Lord. Wait versus hope. Big difference. Hope is it may or may not happen. But this says those that wait. Wait means that we know that it's going to happen. It just hasn't happened yet. If you're going to take a bus, there is a a bus schedule. And you know that at a certain time, if you're sitting there on that bench, that bus is going to come by. You're waiting on that bus. There's no reason that bus won't show up. Well, what if there's a mechanical fit? They'll send another one. You go to the airport. You wait for that plane to take off. You know it's going to take off, but you know it's happened time and time again. Planes fly in and out every day. It's a normal way of life. There's no doubt whatsoever that it's going to happen. You order a groceries or a pizza and you wait for it to show up at your doorstep because you know it's going to happen because you've placed the order. It's happened time and time again. This is the way it works. It's not like we place an order and we hope that our pizza shows up. We hope that our groceries show up. We hope that the plane shows up. No, we wait until it shows up. It's a big difference. Waiting upon the Lord. It renews our strength. We've talked about it before. That God wants us to grow and be stronger in our faith and our connection and relationship with Him. The only way that takes place is is we have to have a little bit of, of distance in between the ask and the receive. And as we wait, we have to stay in faith. We have to believe that it's going to happen. It's much stronger than simply a hope.
They shall mount up with wings as eagles, doing things that only God can do. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. God's telling us if we stay in faith, if we believe, if we eliminate hope, turn it into faith, that all things that we need will be above and beyond. Let's look back at Jeremiah. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you. Thoughts of peace and not evil. NIV says, I know the plans that I have for you. Difference is, God has a plan for our life. He has the thoughts. He is thought of every detail. He knows every hair on your head. It's much more deeper and connected than simply plans. Because thoughts, thoughts stay with us, but plans constantly change. And the difference is that we have to be involved We have to want it. We have to grow. We have to develop for these thoughts to manifest into who we are supposed to be. I think towards you, saith the Lord. Plans to prosper and not to harm you. Peace. Peace is the ultimate goal. You know, the NIV says prosper. But, you know, prosper is a bigger part, it's a smaller part of peace. Because why do we want to be prosperous? Why do we want to have enough? Having enough makes us overcome the curse. When we have enough, when we are prosperous... We have a roof over our head. We have food on the table. We have enough money in the bank to take care of our needs. That's what we consider prosperous. And with that comes peace. But there's more to it than peace. Peace also is subsiding your fears, your doubts, your anxiety. See, prosperity only takes care of part of that. But when we have peace, That takes care of all these things. Fear for our children, fear for our family, our health conditions. Prosperity does not take care of that. That's one small piece of the puzzle. Peace is the ultimate goal. Being able to go through the hard times, like we've talked about in the past, and be like Paul. To be like Peter and just be be calm because we know that the Lord has us. That is what we're after here. King James says, and not evil. NIV says, not to harm you. We know that God is not evil. God is good. God is the light. God is love. 
evil wraps up every thing and puts it into perspective. You know, and we have to, to think about it like this too. If I'm a father and I have to discipline my child. Now, it depends on, on how you look at it. If you give them a spanking, are you causing harm? Are you causing them discomfort? Is discomfort harm? Because sometimes in life that we have to do things that are uncomfortable, that may cause discomfort. Does harm get wrapped up in that discomfort? Maybe, maybe not. But the one thing that's clear is that when we are doing these things out of love, out of necessity, it's a necessity to have to discipline a child. It's a necessity to do these things so they don't continue on a path of bad behavior. It is a necessity. So we have to do that. And even though we are doing these things that are uncomfortable as both the parent and uncomfortable for the child, and whatever scenario you want to put this in, we're not doing it from a place of evil. So God is being very clear with us here. And to give you an expected end. Expected end. What does expected mean? Expected means how it is going to turn out. It's not a surprise because it's expected. You know that every movie that you watch, when you get to the end of the thing, the screen is going to turn black and the credits are going to roll. That is an expected end. You know it's going to happen because that's the way it always happened. That's we've been taught that the way it's supposed to happen. We know that it's going to happen. We know that pizza is going to show up when you order it. That is an expected end. But the King James, or the NIV tells us that plans for a hope and a future. So there's that word again, plans. Plans what? Plans change. Plans are an outline. Plans are a maybe. And that word hope. That one word we're so hung up on, I have hope, I have hope, I have hopes and dreams. Well, we tent them two things together. I have hope. That means it may or it may not happen. And a future. And future is... A difficult one to, to define because we have an idea about what we want our future to look like, what our kids' future to look like. Let's just say that we have a hope for our future. But we know that many times that our future doesn't always turn out the way that we want it to. We don't have that Ability to be able to mold it and shape it because life happens, situations happen, things change, plans 
change. So much more permanent with a expected end. And what are we calling our future? See, because I know what my expected end is. I know that one day I'm going to be with my Lord and Savior. I know that heaven is my eternity. Why? Because I have followed God's word. I have accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I have done the things that ensure me that place. I know that that is my expected end. I know where I'm going to wind up. Now, as far as what's going to happen between now and that time comes, I don't know. I have ideas about where I would like to see it. But the world is changing every day. I have plans, but plans are constantly being modified. I try to maximize my time. I'm a very busy person. I have a lot going on in my life, and I need to make sure that I'm making the most of it. On top of that, time is one of our most valuable commodities, the one thing that we cannot renew, we cannot get more of, that we cannot replace when we waste it. It's our most valuable thing that we have, and the thing of it is we don't know how much of it it is. There's not a magic number to see how long we're going to live, how long our lifespan is going to be, what tomorrow holds, how many tomorrows we have. So we have to make the most of, of each and every day. And we start talking about things like hope and future. We take so much emphasis on, uh, away from what's happening right now. And we start looking so far forward and making plans for things that may not come to play. We need to let God worry about our expected end. And we need to worry about right now. So I, I map, out, map out my time. I make my schedule. I make out a list of things that I want to get accomplished. You know, the very few times I'm able to check everything off on that list. Sometimes it's just because I'm, I'm way too ambitious. I just kind of cram too much stuff into the time that I have. And then sometimes there's things that happen beyond our control. You know, we have an unexpected client problem. We have a something that breaks and needs to be repaired. We have to attend to the needs of someone else. There's all kinds of things that deviate from our plan. We've covered a lot of ground today. A lot of different things. So let's recap a little bit. You know, these are the things that we need to, to ponder on as we go out into the week. You know, as we're spending some quiet time with ourselves, let these things pop in and out of your mind and, and start to change. God has purpose and he, he gives us his word in a certain way. And every word counts.
Look at these two verses we looked at today. Two verses out of the entire Word of God. And we just change one word. And we've changed so much. We took the word and added the word hope in and instead of waiting. So instead of us waiting on the Lord, knowing that He's going to do, knowing that He's going to answer our prayers, we replace it with hope. A pretty little word. We see that everywhere. It's decorative. It's supposed to make us feel good. But what it does is it diminishes our faith. I don't want to hope that God answers my prayers. I want to know that God's going to answer my prayer. I don't want to hope God is going to see me through. I want to know God is going to see me through. And see how easy it is? A pretty little word like hope. That we see it plastered everywhere. We see it used so many times. We see it all throughout our religious teachings because it fits in so nicely and it's supposed to make us feel good. But there again, we have our feelings getting in the way and we have one little word that's diminishing our faith. I don't want to have a hope for my future. I don't want to have doubt where my end is going to be. I want to have an expected end. And God tells us we can have an expected end. And that is through Jesus Christ. Through our salvation. I want to have all these things. I want to know. Just look at this. God says in one verse, plans and the other, Thoughts. Where do you want to be? Do you want to be in a book of plans? You know, I have books at home that have plans to tell you how to make things and do all kinds of stuff like that. Or do you want to be on the mind of God? Do you want to be in his thoughts? I know where I want to be. Plans we can put aside. Plans don't work out. Plans we, But thoughts. I want God thinking about me. And it's all about our perspective. And are we willing to put in a little more effort? You know, sometimes we have to read these, these harder, harder verses. And we have to, may have to back up a little bit and try again. We may have to put ourselves in it. And also, maybe that's by design that gets us in deeper, that gives us more focus that it becomes more than casual reading. You know, when we talk about the Word of God, we're supposed to read the Word of God, study the Word of God. It's not casual reading. It's not literature. It's not fiction. It's instruction. We want our doctors to study the medical books. We want our technicians to study the guides. When they're hooking up our stuff, we want to make sure it's done right. When they're working on our bodies, we want to make sure it's done right. We want our lawyers to study the law to make sure they know all the ins and outs. And God wants us the same thing. He wants us to study so we know all the ins and outs. We know all the details. 
And we don't need a, a watered down version of it that's easier to deal with, easier to, to get through. We need God's vision. And one word can make all the difference. And the same goes true as when we, when we take away from it. Oh, well, I don't like that verse. Let's just take that out. And when we, we know what God's vision is, it's real easy to point out when someone is misusing the word. Because, you know, they'll, they'll pull out a verse and it's like, oh, well, looky here. Look at what God says right here. Oh, you're wrong. Ha, ha, ha. But no, you see, because I know what it says before and I know what it says after. And I know if we use it in the correct context that you've changed the entire meeting by just picking and choosing what you want. And we need to be familiar with the word so we know these things. And when we hear it, we can say, oh, wait, that don't sound quite right. And then as we do and we grow and we can't remember everything, I'm horrible with numbers and names and that kind of stuff. But you know what? We have it all right here for reference. So we can always look back and say, wait a second. Well, yeah, if you look at it that way, well, wait, let's take the whole picture into context. And when we do, we see that, whoa, God's got a lot more to say about the, the situation. God's word never contradicts itself. God's word is its own commentary. It all fits together. So when the pieces don't fit, that means something's wrong. And you can't just pound them in, and you can't trim them to fit. You have to use what's here, because it's already a completed picture. Just because we can't see it, doesn't mean it's all not there. Remember the books, Where is Waldo? We have them giant pages and it's full of colorful characters and you're scanning around all looking for that one little guy in the striped shirt. And so many times we're just going around, we're stamping little striped guys all over the page. And oh, there he is, there he is, there he is. But we're just cheating the system. And when we're cheating God and trying to bend his word to our will, we're just cheating ourselves. And we're cheating others. Because we're spreading this nonsense that we've strung together ourselves. You know, every time that Satan tempted Jesus, he's, Jesus threw the word at him. Because you can't beat the word. You can't beat the Word of God. It's checkmate every time. There's nothing that Satan can say that can override the Word of God. It's little changes. Are we willing to make these little changes in our lives to be the better versions of ourselves? Ask yourself that today. Do you want to have a hope or do you want to have an expected end? Are you hoping God will answer? Or are you waiting for Him to answer? Choice is yours. Choice is yours.